0: Where do presidential candidates stand on health care, and what are the best and worst scenarios advisors might expect? We'll find out on our quarterly call with Jessica Waltman on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers Podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers Podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. We're pleased to be chatting again with Jessica Waltman, Jessica's principal at Forward Health Consulting. As we talked about the last time Jess was on, she's our only guest at the present time who comes on quarterly. And that's because the world that she works in, which is regulatory, political, and legislative, change so often. And we know that all of our listeners love hearing Jessica's insights. She has unparalleled knowledge about what's going on and the 24 or 26 square miles surrounded by reality that we call Washington, D.C. So with that, we're recording this about a week before the Iowa caucuses, just to give everybody context. We're not soothsaying anything, but I thought it would be fun to talk to Jessica about what she sees in the political future vis-a-vis the elections that are going on. So with that, welcome, Jessica.
1: Thanks, David, for having me back on the podcast.
0: Always a pleasure. And we appreciate you spending time with us and sharing your expertise with the audience. So there's a, an election going on, and living close to the New Hampshire border as I do, it's all political commercials all the time. What's your take writ large on kind of where we're driving?
1: Well, it's kind of crazy, and I am not going to attempt to predict what's going to happen in either Iowa or New Hampshire, or maybe by the time people hear this, we'll already have moved on to South Carolina. I mean, it's anybody's guess at this point with really both parties. So you kind of have to look some total that even who may be the winner in Iowa or maybe the winner in New Hampshire may not be the one that actually is our nominee come this summer. So I was just kind of looking at all the candidates overall and where they're taking their healthcare positions and where they might go with it. I went through and I reviewed every candidate that I think is in any way credible plan And, um, you know, kind of the the first tier for the Republican debate and then Senator Sanders and Secretary Clinton. And it was pretty interesting seeing what they've put out there for health care and health insurance so far. I think it might be some things that some, you know, typical agents and brokers might not expect.
0: For example, let's start on the Democrat side because that's a little bit more contained and and maybe a little more predictable in terms of health care. What are you seeing there?
1: So, of course, Senator Sanders has long been an advocate of a single-payer health plan. And I think, you know, overall, in the political dynamic, what we're seeing is this uh, movement across America on both sides to kind of dissatisfaction with Washington and kind of want to blow up the system. So that may be why people like Ted Cruz and Donald Trump are popular on the Republican side at the current time, and Senator Sanders is doing so well against Secretary Clinton. So his proposal is, of course, to move completely to a Medicare for all model. But I think that, you know, just beyond that, because that may not be doable when, say, for example, Senator Sanders was actually elected and he had a deal with the Republican Congress. So I think if you want to drill down and look at his plan components, while he may not be able to get a single-payer system through, even though, you know, he thinks he's going to have a grassroots revolution and it's going to happen, when you look at his plan that he does want that may be more doable, is he doesn't like employer-sponsored insurance, and he doesn't like the current tax exclusion from individual income for employer-sponsored benefits. And so if you were drilling his proposal back to what might be something he could achieve with, say, a Speaker Ryan who wants to do comprehensive tax reform, a cap or an elimination of the exclusion and driving things more to an individual system could be doable, or, you know, where he might go which obviously has strong implications for the broker business that relies on the employer-based system to make their living. Secretary Clinton is interesting because you might think that she'd have some detailed health care plan put forward and you could certainly look back in the archives of her political record and find detailed plans, you know, going back to her Health Security Act. But she hasn't put that out now other than saying that she wants to support Obamacare and strengthen it. And she's very interested in capping cost sharing and deductibles and feels like the current high deductible, high cost sharing system is unworkable for many people. And she's against the excise tax, but she doesn't say that how she is going to fund a repeal of the excise tax. So we do have her game plan of what she's tried in the past, but what she's putting out there that she would try to do from the get go is actually pretty limited. And she might actually try and focus less on these controversial areas and less on trying to upend the system and maybe on other areas of policy as her primary objective.
0: In the Health Security Act, there was a strong undercurrent of some nationalization, both uh, looking towards the medical schools and the hospitals and perhaps even as some had inferred the insurance carriers, Do you think that if Secretary Clinton were successful in winning the presidency, that those ideas might creep back into the discourse?
1: Well, I think that, yes, I mean, that's certainly been a long history in in part of her lexicon. I'm not sure how practical that is. And, you know, depending on what kind of Congress she gets, whether or not that is in any way feasible. But. I think her plans and, you know, we the benefit of Secretary Clinton is even if you don't like what she has proposed, she has a very long record of what she's proposed over time and how her views on health care have evolved. And so, you know, I will always take someone whose ideas that I don't like, but I know exactly what they are over a complete and total unknown.
0: Do you think that it's strange or strategic or tactical or some of all of the above that she has not put forward a more detailed plan relative to what she wants to see on health insurance.
1: Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, she knows that that's an area where she's a lightning rod for attack. And, you know, going back not just to the the policy ideas, but also for her role in the Clinton administration, the secrecy, you know, all kinds of things that she's a lightning rod for anyway. And, you know, she doesn't want to portray, I think, that kind of Hillary right now. But again, you know, Secretary Clinton has evolved and has been in Washington now for a long time as a Secretary Sanders, but he's always, I mean, I'm sorry, Senator Sanders, but Bernie Sanders has always kind of made his mark on being kind of outside the uh, Democratic Party and kind of outside the circles, whereas Secretary Clinton has tried to, you know, be within and work within the system. So I think that while, again, her ideas are clear, I think she and then, you know, you have some Republican candidates on the same side that are looking to work within the system and make incremental changes as opposed to blowing up the system and making gigantic changes.
0: So with all due respect to Governor O'Malley, I mean, uh, has he said anything that, that's interesting assuming that he survives the primaries?
1: <laughs> well, I think that the governors in this race in general are interesting because their focus Is more on things that they have experience with and they have control over and actually might be more doable. And so I would take Governor O'Malley and it might be a good way segue to the Republican candidates, because you also see this with Governor Christie and Governor Kasich. And to a lesser extent, Governor Bush, but, you know, he's a little bit more further removed from being a governor. They're focused more on entitlement reforms and reforms that you can make at the state level. So that's a different scheme. And one of the things that they've been somewhat successful, they have a unique system in Maryland, is they do have somewhat of standardization of pricing in Maryland, particularly with regard to hospitals. And so that's really influenced, I think, Governor O'Malley's thinking.
0: Speaking of hospitals, has anybody taken any kind of a position or is anybody speaking about transparency, either writ large or in any specifics?
1: Yes, yes. So Governor Kasich is very much interested in transparency, as is Governor Bush. And there was transparency efforts made during his administration in Florida. Governor Christie, also very interested in transparency, and to some degree, Secretary Clinton also does that, and so does uh, Senator Paul. A number of other candidates kind of make the touching mention of transparency because it's a popular topic. You know, no one really dislikes it. But in terms of actually providing specifics, those are the candidates that really have drilled down on those in the, that area.
0: And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff, while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, Go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com, or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now back to our interview. So let's put a microscope on on the Republican side, a more fertile field, at least at the present time. Before the field kind of gets winnowed down a little bit, the putative front runner is Donald Trump. Where's he stand on health care?
1: <laughs> so okay, first of all, I think it's kind of interesting because. His main point that he keeps making over and over is an old Republican standby, which is coverage across state lines. And his support for this seems to be, I'm a little unclear about who his broker is for his companies and what's been going over there because he doesn't seem to have a great understanding of ERISA or the self-funded marketplace. And he keeps on saying, you know, I run a gigantic company and I'm having a hard time getting bids and getting some type of national plan. And I have to deal with state laws. And yes, of course he does have to deal with, depending on different locations, but it's a little unclear why he wouldn't be able to design a self-funded plan for his gigantic company. But then he, for small businesses, and he's not making a differentiation between small and you know, fully insured and self-funded, but he would like coverage across state lines. The other thing, though, that he's really focused on, and I think that this is a trend across Republican candidates, you have to see most of them have focused on one or the other, is he's focused on tax reform. And so his health care, even though he doesn't necessarily link it to health care, his health care specifics go back to his tax reform proposal, where he would like to go to a massively simpler tax system, close all loop pools. And would probably make it, you know, even though he doesn't have complete details, it would appear that he would eliminate the exclusion and also drive things away from the employer based system.
0: And where is Senator Cruz on all of this?
1: Similarly, he also wants to de-link coverage from the employer based market and do comprehensive tax reform. He's also very much focused, as are most of them, all the Republican candidates, have a desire to increase access to HSAs. And so HSAs is a huge part of his reform proposal. He's also a sponsor of Senate legislation to repeal the ACA and then replace it with a coverage across state lines proposal as its pure replacement component. And so that is the focus of most of his efforts. Just as a note, I think it was interesting this past week, Ted Cruz was saying that he thought he was uninsured and it turned out he actually was not uninsured. He was re-enrolled into his individual policy and he did not seem to understand the difference and he had to issue a correction. And then he did say, mention though, that he had gone to his broker and asked to get some different options for his individual market. So I'm not sure who Ted Cruz's broker is, but he does have one.
0: So it sounds like there may be opportunities for brokers in New York and in Texas.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
0: So am I wrong? In in listening to what we've been chatting about so far, it seems like absent the Republicans, the folks who are not talking about dismantling the employer-based system would be the Democrats and perhaps the governors who are focused on more entitlement reform in a broader context?
1: Right. That is correct. Secretary Clinton and then the Republican candidates that are focused on entitlement reform and saving costs through redoing Medicaid and giving states more flexibility when it comes to designing both their Medicaid programs and other health insurance components.
0: Do you think that there will be a major difference on the regulatory side, depending on which way the elections go?
1: Yes. So... First of all, again, if you want to blow up the system and change things around very quickly, ask the president. You know, obviously you have to work with Congress. If you want to bypass Congress, the quickest way that you can do that, and you see this with the Obama administration, is through regulation. So I think that ironically, even though a lot of the Republican candidates say they want to eliminate regulations and make things simpler for small businesses and employers, and they're going to make a lot of these problems go away, the way that they are going to have to do that is via executive order and administrative and regulatory action if they're actually going to be successful. So anyone that's talking about kind of going outside the system is thereby going to have to do it through increased regulation.
0: Is there any likelihood that if we end up with divided government again, that anything will happen via the normal channels? Or do you think that we'll see an increase in executive actions and, and regulatory stuff and that that will become the de facto Congress? You
1: know, it's hard to say. Um, It depends, I think, on the person that is elected. So if you have someone that is intent on, blowing up all the bridges and uh, redefining things and we definitely have several candidates on you know both sides of the aisle that that's their message then that may be where things go but you also have candidates you know on both sides that at least have some degree of system you know history of attempting to work with the other party particularly I think some of these governors and so they may and I think that that's what they've promised to do: try and reach across both, you know, party lines. Governor O'Malley, even though he's, I think, currently polling at one percent, also that is part of his message. And again, I don't know. Certainly, Secretary Clinton is a polarizing figure, but when she was a senator, you know, particularly on less controversial areas, she did work in a bipartisan fashion. So it remains to be seen.
0: Arguably. What is there that these folks could agree on if they indeed were to cross party lines? Where do you see those Venn diagram areas of of coincidence?
1: Well, interestingly enough, I think entitlement reform is an area where there is some degree of agreement. I mean, any new president is going to have to do something to bolster the economy. And you can look at comprehensive tax reform. You know, lots of people like that, but you immediately start to blow up. In terms of entitlement reform, yes, in some respects, it's a third rail issue, but it also saves a lot of money if you do it right. And I think that Republican and Democrats alike, it appeals to them because you want to help people. You want to create a safety net, which obviously, you know, appeals, you in general terms more to the Democratic side. But you can make the argument that if to preserve that safety net, you need to make smaller financial decisions and preserve the security of the program that is something that i think you could find areas of agreement and you can also everyone likes cost containment ideas and there's a lot of room for experimentation demonstration programs that drive the private market and you see that with medicare with medicaid and um you know a lot of the governors have experience with using their state based health plans for that type of experimentation even if they haven't been successful at it they see other states that have and they like to so Those are areas, I think, where you could really achieve health systems change and somehow work together.
0: So to wrap up in the minute or two that we have left, and you're very, very tied to the Benefit Advisor community and understand that community very well, better than many people. If we were sitting here at this juncture in the narrative, what should Benefit Advisors be doing in terms of messaging both to candidates and to legislators alike?
1: Well, I think that benefit advisors, you know, of course, many of them have built up their individual practice and their supplementary practices over the years, but most benefit advisors, their core block of businesses in the employer-based system. And even if you, you know, deep down think, well, I would never have designed this system this way and maybe we should move to the individual market and you know, that's where the market's headed, no one wants to blow up the employer-based system overnight. And there was a great article in the New Yorker in, I think, 2009 before health reform really got kicked off by Atul Gawande that talked about the American healthcare system and kind of compared it to the phone system and said, you know, it's a hodgepodge patchwork of employer and in individual government programs. It's kind of a mess, but it's what we've got. And that's kind of how the phone system is, too. And we need to build on its existing strengths. So I would really caution against anyone that wants to really convert everything overnight. Even if you think long range, that's the way to go. This is something that needs to occur incrementally over perhaps a generation of time. And even if you want to switch to an individual-based system, you want to switch against the way that our tax code currently favors employer-based coverage, even if you personally want to do that, from a business perspective, that's not something that can or should happen overnight. And it's not just in the best interest of the broker. It's the best interest of the consumer. I mean, just look at how hard things were when we tried the federal exchange and the subsidies. And that was, you know, a few million people. We're talking about 175 million people in the employer-based system right now. You can't just put them all in a different boat overnight.
0: Great place to wrap up our interview, Jessica. Again, Jessica Waltman, Principal of Forward Health Consulting. Jessica, we thank you and look forward to your next quarterly conversation.
1: Thanks, David.
0: The Shift Shapers Podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltsmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Ship Shapers to work in your business.